0: Makers. 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 A woman's. Women's story, A women's women's storytelling platform. History makers. If I don't finish this race, everybody's going to believe women can't do it. Change
1: makers. Nobody listens
0: to you when you go quietly into the night. Law makers. Women's rights are human rights once and for all.
1: There is no woman in the country who we are not trying to reach. These are Makers. This is Makers. Las primeras. These are Makers. This is the Makers. This is the Makers podcast.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers podcast. I'm your host, Amanda McCall. And today, we're talking about women making history. If aliens landed on Earth and the first thing they saw was a school history textbook they'd have a really warped perception of what inhabitants of our planet actually look like. Probably just a lot of white dudes in tights. So why is that? Well, a recent study shows that even though women are over half the population, one half of human history, we're still only 15% of history textbooks. Makers wanted to test this out for ourselves, so we hit the streets of New York to find out how much people really know about women in history. the first computer programmer? Dr. Emmett Brown or Ada Lovelace? I'm gonna go with Dr. Emmett Brown. It's Ada Lovelace. Dr. Emmett Brown was Doc from the Back to the Future movie. Oh. It was kind of a trick question. Ah, 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 ah. Who was the first paleontologist to discover pterodactyl fossils? Okay. Was it Mary Anning
1: uh-huh.
0: or Dr. Ian Malcolm?
1: Dr. Ian Malcolm.
0: Nope, it was Mary Anning. Dr. Ian Malcolm was Jeff Goldblum's character from the first Jurassic Park movie. So you were kind of close, but really not at all close. (laughs) So, spoiler alert, it didn't get much better than this. Pretty much everyone I spoke to didn't know who any of the women were. Overall, I'm pretty stunned by how little both men and women knew about female historical figures all of whom were really groundbreaking women who accomplished these huge monumental firsts, and I feel like people should know at least a few of them. I also, side note, have to just mention that I'm very shocked by people's Jurassic Park ignorance. It's going to take a while for me to process all this. The story you're about to hear is one that's probably absent from the pages of your history textbooks. It's a particularly exceptional story, not only because it was one of the first makers' interviews we ever did, but also because it features a woman who accomplished a momentous history changing first when she was only 11 years old. Here's the story of Maria Pepe, Little League's first girl.
2: My family is uh, traditional Italian immigrants. My grandmother came over from Italy. My father was a longshoreman in Hoboken. My mother was a homemaker. Even though my family was very traditional, they were very supportive of my athletic skills. When I was a young girl and people would say what do you want to be when you grow up i used to answer i want to be a yankee whenever it was christmas time or a birthday they'd ask me what i wanted and if i said a basketball or a baseball you know they would hesitate for a moment but they figured well if this is what the kid wants you know we'll make her happy When I was growing up in Hoboken, the athletics for girls was basically non-existent. You had the Girl Scouts, so you had cheerleading. I would go down to play, there was a little play area, and a lot of times there were mostly boys that were congregating in the play area. They sort of started being more like brothers to me. I just started participating, playing slap ball or stick ball, tag football. Whatever activity was occurring on a given day, I participated in and just became one of the boys. They saw after a while that I could compete with them and play at the level of their playing. And so it just became like a natural that these fellas would always, you know, look to me and say, Okay, I want Maria on my team. My friends were actually going to the Hoboken Young Democrats Club to put their name down on the roster. that They were interested in signing up for Little League tryouts. And I hesitated before I went into the club because I knew there was this rule in the back of my mind that, you know, Little League was really just for boys. However, Jimmy Farina who was then the owner of the club. He approached me because he saw I had a glove and I had a baseball cap on and I was with my peers and he said to me, do you think you may be interested in playing? And I looked up at him with big bright eyes and I'm like, absolutely. You know, you think I can try out? That would be wonderful. And he said, sure, what position do you play? And I said, I'm a pitcher, you know, and I think the team needed a couple of new pitchers. And so he let me come to the club.
0: Maria excelled at tryouts and earned a coveted Little League uniform. On opening day of the season, Maria stood next to the town's mayor as he threw out the first ceremonial pitch.
2: You know, I was so excited. There's something about having a baseball uniform. I think I just loved the way I felt in the uniform. I Like, I belonged in that uniform. I had earned it. I was starting pitcher. But not everyone realized that I was a girl because my hair was short. So you just saw a couple of small curls hanging out of my baseball cap. My teammates knew I was a girl, but it took a little while into that first game before some of the other coaches were saying, hey, wait a minute, Jimmy's got a girl on the team. Jimmy tried to argue with the coaches and say, look, Marie's just as good as the boys. They must have called some of the politicians and expressed that, you know, we're not happy that is on a team and you need to somehow remove her from the league.
0: The National Little League Organization of Williamsport issued a letter declaring that the league's rules explicitly stated that, quote, girls are not eligible for Little League under any conditions and threatening to revoke the town's charter and end the season for over 100 boys if Maria continued to play. After playing in only three games, Maria was forced to turn in her Little League uniform.
2: I remember my coach said to me, Maria, you can come to the games and keep score. Well, I have to be honest. I did that for one game. And I could not just sit there and take score because I, I wanted to be out there. That was hard. It always, somehow, it comes back. There were news people around always asking me, don't you know girls should be at home helping do the wash and taking care of the family? Why do you want to play baseball? And the only answer I could give them was that I love playing ball. I didn't even know that I was being discriminated against, meaning the word discriminated, because it wasn't something you were taught in school. I felt it, but I didn't really know how to label it.
0: Maria's story was picked up by several local newspapers and eventually caught the attention of the National Organization for Women, or NOW, as it's known. At the time, NOW was in the middle of a campaign to pass a law guaranteeing women and girls equal opportunities in education, including sports. This law would later become known as Title IX. Just a quick side note, if you've never heard of Title IX and you're a female, please Google it. Because after you read about it, I promise you, you'll want to send some kind of thank you note to the National Organization for Women. It's a pretty big deal. After reading about Maria in the newspaper, Now reached out to Maria's parents and offered to help.
2: I could remember when my father hung the phone up that evening, he came over to me and he tried to explain this conversation. He said, honey, I just want you to understand that was a women's organization. They feel bad about what happened to you playing ball and they would like to file a complaint with the New Jersey Division on Civil Rights. And I feel that they should go ahead and do that. And I was sort of excited Is it possible that somebody would actually come to bat for me?
0: Maria's parents gave now permission to file a gender discrimination lawsuit on their daughter's behalf against Little League to allow girls to play. Every day, Maria would come home and ask if the suit was settled yet. She was itching to get back in her uniform and get out on the field again.
2: Once they filed a complaint, then there had to be all these court hearings. They continued for a two-year period, roughly. They had psychologists testifying whether girls, you know, are mentally equipped to play ball with boys. They had physical doctors testifying about the strength of girls' bones between the ages of 8 and 12 compared to boys. I thought everyone was missing the whole point. The main issue of the case that I did understand is that Little League uses public lands and public grounds. And under the law, you cannot discriminate against an individual because you're using public lands and public grounds. Maria
0: spent nearly two years in the courtroom fighting for her right to play ball. After the New Jersey court ruled in Maria's favor, girls throughout the country started filing similar lawsuits against Little League. Rather than fight these mounting discrimination lawsuits, the National Little League Office decided to change the regulations throughout the United States. Within one year, nearly 30,000 girls had signed up for Little League.
2: I do remember the day that the decision was made. My father came over to me and said, You know, Maria, they ruled in your favor. And I think I was relieved that it was over. But I also knew I was too old to play. And so it was, like, bittersweet. But I remember my father looking down at me and saying... You know, Maria, you open the doors for all the girls that have come after you.
0: Little League never issued an official apology to Maria, and she'd had no personal contact with them at all. So it was quite a shock to her when she received a phone call from them 30 years later asking Maria to throw out the ceremonial purse pitch at the 2004 Little League Baseball World Series in Williamsport.
2: I remember them asking, would you mind going down... Uh, Dr. Creighton Hale would like to meet you." Well, you know, I took a deep breath and I thought, wow, I'm going to meet Dr. Creighton Hale. I remember as a child reading his name in the articles where he was presenting all this evidence against me. This person had such an impact on my life as a child and my desire to want to play ball because he seemed to be the person that was always fighting against my cause. When I did get to the field, I was accompanied by some of my family members. He approached me and he shook my hand and in that handshake, he looked at me and he said, you know, I just want you to know my granddaughter plays. I had still carried this wound from this person I never knew. And him telling me that his granddaughter plays was basically saying, I'm sorry. It was really worth the struggle because it had such a positive outcome for other girls.
0: In the 40 years since Maria won her case, over 10 million girls have participated in Little League. Maria Pepe changed the history of women in sports, and her legacy will live on every time a young girl steps up to the pitcher's mound. But there are so many other pioneering women whose names and accomplishments have been lost to history simply because of their gender. Gloria Steinem has dedicated her life to uncovering and celebrating these stories. And for this and many other reasons, I would like to ask her about 600,000 questions. But, because she's very busy changing the world and fighting for gender equality, I've got to keep this short. So today, we're going to ask Gloria 15 rapid-fire questions for a segment we call The Feminist 15. Okay, here we go, Gloria. What is the best word to describe you? Helpful. What's the language that you wish you could speak? Spanish.
1: Everyone in this country should speak Spanish.
0: What's the last book you read and a book that you'd suggest to our listeners?
1: Exterminate all the brutes, the great answer to European-only history.
0: Favorite room in your entire house?
1: My living room, in which I almost never sit because I'm always at my desk. What's something that makes you hopeful these days? Women. What's something that pisses you off? Organized religions,
0: plural. If you could have dinner with any female historical figure, who would it be?
1: I don't think she has a name because we don't study history when women were equal.
0: What's your cell phone background right now?
1: It is actually, I'm not kidding, (laughs) a tree in a goddess grove on Jeju Island. What would you say is the biggest misconception about you? That I'm
0: humorless. What's something you're afraid of? Heights. Complete the following sentence.
1: A woman's place is in the... Is in the realization of her talents and her dreams. Gloria, what's your biggest vice? Sugar. Sugar.
0: If you could go back in time and give your 15-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it
1: be? You don't have to be like everybody else. Indeed, you don't have to be like anybody else.
0: What headline would you most like to see on the cover
1: of tomorrow's New York Times? Uh, Racist, sexist violence diminishes worldwide. Why is it so important that women know about their history? Every discriminated-against group is marked by being lost, and refound. We keep reinventing the wheel because we don't know the history.
0: Well, you heard her, ladies. Go learn about your history and then go make some of your own. Thanks for listening. And to learn more about Gloria Steinem, Maria Pepe, and other history-making women, go to Makers.com.